from Philippians 2, 12 through 30. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offerings of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests and those of Jesus Christ. But you know, Timothy's proven worth how, as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you the to Ephaphrodus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, such as men." For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life, and complete what was lacking in your service to me. Are you in a discipleship? I mean, we are called to be disciples, to make disciples. And our journey, Christian journey, began with uh, enrolled in a discipleship. Whether you, you are in discipleship or not, you are in discipleship. You are. And expectation is one day we graduate our own discipleship and making others disciples. Maybe just pastors grumbling, but I see many Christians, they started their kindergarten of discipleship, but they, they never get to senior in high school. A lot of Christians just always want to learn and follow someone, but they don't want to lead people. And we are the army of God. But, you know, if everybody, every every Christian wants to stay in the boot camp, the basic training, 
who's going to fight for Christ? Who's going to do the mission of Christ? So I want to share with you today discipleship of Christians. Apostle Paul in verse 12 says, the premise of discipleship, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So this is a premise of discipleship. So we have to work out our salvation. So it means we have to be more active and autonomous Christian. We cannot be passive Christian, always following somebody, always looking for care and nurture and somebody praying for you. And Paul also said, your own, which is in Greek, it's a plural. So once again, discipleship is in the relationship with one another. It's in the community. It happens in the community, not individual. Many Christians, early Christians, even today, many Christians just be a monk or somewhere, a hermit Christian, just hide somewhere in the mountain somewhere, and just they want to just, just be just pious as they can be just by themselves. But no, that's wrong. One day they have to go out into the world. And Paul says, with fear and trembling for God. Because we become disciples and we make disciples not as man does, but as God does. So in Second Thessalonians, Paul said, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. We make disciples, but actually we consider as God does. Because discipleship requires spiritual authority. By the constancy of speech and life, action. So we make disciples not by the word of mouth, but word of life. So if I do not, that's, that's the biggest challenge for a preacher. It's my job, it's my occupation to preach it to you every week. And I teach every Wednesday the Bible study. But do I do always, you know, um, uh, comply with all that? I mean, I, I, do I uh, um, practice everything I teach? I can't. And those times that I feel discouraged. But, like I said, it's not what I DJ do, but God does. But still, I have to strive 
to be the word of man, the man of word. I have to live with what I teach. Otherwise, we cannot make disciples. So Apostle Paul said, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it means God implanted the yearning for God, the loving God in us, everybody. And you are the one here sitting here, you became Christian because you recognize the yearning for God. You have the love of God, so you are here. But the people in the world, they just don't know or ignore or deny or they doubt. But it's not just God implanted the yearning for God. But God is the main agent of our discipleship. So, of course, unless we surrender our sovereignty of God, sovereignty of ourselves to God, we cannot be disciple. We cannot make disciple. Without loving God, without yearning for God, we cannot become disciple or make disciples. So Paul said, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as light in the world. I told you over and over, what is the opposite of faith? Disbelief? Unfaithful? Basically, it's a complaining. Adam and Eve, they complained. Not being like God, they complained. It's complaining. The world, the people in the world grumble all the time because they do not acknowledge the yearning for God. But they focus on the yearning for their own desires. So the people in the world, they see the world, see the world with the crooked and twisted vision. But discipleship, disciple who are holding, the, holding fast the word of God, we gaze the world with the vision of God. I mean, without the vision of God, we see the same thing in the world. We'll criticize, we'll grumble all the time. So if we see the world with the vision of God, we must be happy and blessed. Isn't it? No matter what. Because where our happiness and joy coming from, the victory of Jesus. Not my victory, not my health, not my finance. The finale of discipleship is sacrificial love. Apostle Paul expresses his love for his disciple this way. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering 
upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul is just trying to say that he wants to be like Jesus. He just followed Jesus' way. Because Jesus Christ on the cross, he poured out his blood upon the people. I mean, those people, even Jesus' time, the disciples were all denied and then left him. Right? All the people, you know, judging him and ridiculed him. But Jesus poured his blood on the people. So when we make disciples, we must sacrifice ourselves like Jesus, willing to sacrifice our life. Pour our life, pour our, our love upon the people. Even they are not matured. They are not perfect, of course. Even they are not believing. That's the completion of discipleship. So they know the love of Christ and being in Christ. So Apostle Paul introduced two of his disciples, Timothy and the other guy. I mean, the first service I just tried to, you know, speak the name Epaphroditus was masterful. So I just want to call him Effie. Effie. <clears throat> so first, Timothy. He was, you know Timothy. Timothy was the most well-known co-worker of Paul. And he was also co-author of many of Paul's letters. And his name in Greek is Timo Deus, which means honoring God or loving God. But I'm not sure what God he's meant to. I mean, his parents meant. Because his mother was a Jew, but his father was a Greek, I mean, Roman citizen. So, because Roman people usually name after their, their worshiping idol, idolatry. But the book of Acts says, Timothy was already well-known Christian, very respected Christian before meeting, working with Paul. But can you imagine, in the, his time, the church was a predominantly Jewish people. So they imposing the Torah, keeping the law of Israel for the Christian as well. And then he being father, being Gentile, was extremely hard. But somehow he became Christian. And when Paul encountered Timothy, Paul saw the weakness of Timothy, the multicultural family background, as a strength. Because Paul's vision for mission was not just for Jewish people, but for the whole world, 
the Roman Empire, crossing cultures, crossing races, crossing languages and everything. So for Paul, for Paul, he was, Timothy was a perfect candidate. Because Timothy was standing at the boundary. Do you want to stand at the boundary? Like outsider in your group? Nobody wants to stand in the boundary, isn't it? He wants to be in the center of your group. So, but discipleship happens between the two groups, church and the world. Maybe your family and non-believer family, you know, living next to you. But what if a Christian always standing in the center of their, you know, like always in the church, in, in here, like sanctuary or, or church building always, then there's no opportunity to evangelize the people. You know what I'm saying? You always hang out with the Christian. You always, you know, but you, you try not to hang out with those non-believers or atheists, agnostic, whatever, but we are surrounded by all these people, right? Your co-workers, even your niece and nephew, cousins, you know, your you know, friends, neighborhood. We must stand at the boundary. So we must have the contact, point of contact. So what I'm saying, we should hang out with them. We should become friends with them, even though they are progressive, liberal, you know, whatever you just, you know, atheist, or something other problem they're going through. Do you know anyone like that, atheist? Or who always ridicule your Christian faith? But unless, unless we stand next to them, we cannot make disciples. And unless we are genuine, trustworthy, respected person to them. We cannot share the gospel. So you and I, we are all in the discipleship, whether you want it or not. Unless you want to keep your Christianity, your identity as a Christianity for whole life, you want to just keep it secret for whole life. <laughs> right? They know you are, who you are. You're a Christian. You know, the world is really funny. They think we are representing Christ. So they see some mistake or some wrongdoing of a Christian. They generalize the whole church with that, right? But anyhow, that's the, the, the character of the world. So we have to 
be genuine and faithful, trustworthy. And Timothy was like that. He was a confident and trustworthy companion for Apostle Paul. So Paul said, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Nobody care about what concern of Jesus Christ, but Timothy cared for Jesus Christ. And Timothy never met these people, Philippian Christians. But he has concern for other people more than himself. Do you know anyone like that? Anyone care for you more than himself or herself? Maybe your parent does. Maybe your best friend does. What if Christians do not? Hmm? I told you, Christianity in Roman Empire, under such a severe persecution, they took more than half of the Roman Empire became Christian because through the two major pandemic, Christian embrace invited all those uh, sick people to their house. And they always go to the, uh, in front of courthouse which they call Basilica. So they're always waiting for courthouse and they wait, you know, those people unfairly sentenced, those poor people, they minister to them. They go to prison, minister to the people in the prison. Holy Christian always, you know, was standing at the point of contact with the other group, non-church, non-Christians. You know, I told you, we are called to make disciples. So it is like we are called to reaching out to the world to become kingdom of God. What an ambitious dream. Right? But it happens one person at a time. It's not about we sending money to Africa. It's not about, you know, we, we, we do like great thing, you know, fixing a house for somebody in Kentucky. It is about the person you know. That person. When you change that person, that's what discipleship happening. And you become disciples. And you grow. We grow together. You know, one of the, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, I don't like that word. You know, people say, oh, Methodist good at writing checks. I mean, even there's words. Methodists know how to eat. <laughs> we cannot be called, you know, how they're good at writing checks and, you know, you know, how to cook or how to eat to get together. That's not the nickname we want. We are the one making disciples, changing the world one person at a time. And I told you, changing one person needs only one person's consistent, 
care and love and trust. But you know what? Yeah, it is hard. Even nowadays, some parents do not trust their children. They do not being faithful to their children. How can we, you know, doing trusting in the people? Very different from us. But that's discipleship. That's what we are called to be. But then Timothy was a very different person? No. Paul said Timothy became disciple because of his trials. But you know, he said, but you know Timothy's proven worth. He had to be proven himself because of his background, multicultural family background. But so many other things. So what Paul has been through, the, all the hardship, Timothy went through too. Timothy was always the messenger, bring the letter of Paul to different place to, you know. So maybe Timothy had more trouble than Paul. So what I'm saying is our Christian maturity and growth necessary with the trials. The trials, the hardship of righteousness. Not unrighteousness, hardship. And Apostle Peter said this. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perish, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As deeper, as deep our trials and calamities for the righteousness for Christ, our joy will be higher and greater, isn't it? And Apostle Paul introduced another disciple. I decide to call him Effie. His name is very interesting. What kind of name is Ep- Epaphroditus? Because uh, actually it's uh, coming from the prefix Effie and uh, Ep. Aphrodite, you know Aphrodite, Venus, the goddess of beauty, sexual love. Basically, it was a prostitution business in ancient time. So it must have been the Ephesus parents were devoted worshiper of this Aphrodite, goddess Aphrodite, the paganism. But look at him. Paul says, Ephesus is soldier. Fellow worker, my brother, my messenger, my minister, because discipleship, the power of gospel changes somebody like that. I mean, look at, look at that, those people. And your, your story, how you became Christians. Why you? Why not your co- uh, uh, alumni or, you know, same class, you graduate high school? Or your best friends do not go to church at all. Right? Why are you? 
The power of gospel changes people. So he's just, the name is meaning is being attractive and lovely person, Epaphroditus. But he became disciple of Christ. You know, many people, that was his fate, right? Uh, Effie's family, that's his fate. He was born to this family. So, many people just blame and become resentful about their fate. Their family, their maybe gender, their how they look, you know, uh, Whatever, whatever they have the faith, they just complain, they grumble about their faith. Even though they don't like it, but they try not to change it. Oh, they just accept, just live with it. It's my faith. Right? But Christianity is about, discipleship is about living out the changed faith by Jesus Christ. Jesus changed our faith. Because I was born in this family, because I have this problem, whatever that, you know, something challenge I have, that doesn't excuse us not to be disciples. So we are to live the changed fate. But there's a fate that we cannot change, right? Death or illness. That was Effie's problem. So, Effie was originally sent by the Philippian churches to Paul in prison in Rome to help him. It's a long distance. Philippi to Rome is a long distance. And, but then when he got there, Effie got sick, very sick, almost died. So he became burdened to Paul. So back in church, Philippi church, Philippians were so upset. They grumble and, you know, blame Effie. It's illness. You ruined the whole thing. You're supposed to go there and help Paul, but you just became bird and you're coming back now. But Paul even take illness of Effie is rejoicing, grateful. Paul said, indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but me, on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him back to you, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. So, 
Discipleship is carrying burdens of others and changing their trouble, their suffering into rejoice. That's discipleship. What about today? We've been through this pandemic. How we deal with the pandemic? You know, it is a social problem. It is a global problem. But people tend to blame, grumble, blame certain people, especially those people who are vulnerable for infection. Individuals. And we treat the other issues the same way. Right? Like... Uh, like drug addiction, right? Homelessness, shootings, crimes. We treat the same way. Oh, that's their problem. That's your problem, his problem, her problem, not mine, not our problem. But we know. All these problems are result of society, result of a system we have. Won't be fixed ever. What do we do? That's what Christ did to us. It was our problem. It was our sin. It was our fate. But Christ died for us to carry our burden. Nobody carried their own sin, right? We had a free ride. We were in prison. We were in prison. Now we are free. All of a sudden. So discipleship is transition from self-centered to God-centered. God-centered means we must embrace the problem of the world. Dear saints of our brother, are you in discipleship? I'm not talking about like series of classes or 12-step program or joining a Bible study group as discipleship. But your life is discipleship. You are making disciple. You becoming disciple in your life. People watching you, watching me, and you are preaching to those people every day, every week, because they see you, how you deal with your trouble. How you live out your Christian faith. I mean, we shouldn't just keep taking this note from the, the world that we love Jesus, but we don't like church. How long? How long? You know, being a minister in this 21st century, you know, today... You know, I, I mean, in my former church, I, 
I, I talked about Wawa a lot. Compare Wawa and church. Why people go to, love to go to Wawa, not church? I mean, Wawa, right? What's the big deal about Wawa? Wawa, sheets, and uh, uh, the other one? Hmm? Turkey Hill, right. And the Royal Farm, right? If somebody from Maryland or Delaware, they're all the same. They're all the same. They have what we need. They're a little bit friendly, right? They care. As long as we have money to pay them, they care for us. What is worse, what church is worse than them? The white people want to go to Wawa, but not church. It is. Right. We are in discipleship. If we are not, then we do not believe what Christ did. If we don't know, then the love of God. Let me tell you, the life in the world has changed. The world has changed. But if we see the world the same way, well, it's the same. I'm just agonizing until I die and go to heaven and I have a good life. That doesn't sustain your faith. Let me tell you, that doesn't keep your faith. If you're sustaining, agonizing, and you're just accepting this all, that you don't see the new, the new creation. You don't see the new world you do right now. You don't see the image of God and the, the beauty of the people you encounter every day. We don't know the love of God. That means we are not saved. How come you save if you don't know the love of Christ? If you don't know what Jesus Christ did to us? That's why I keep saying we have to hold fast the word of God and then always have this intimacy with Christ. And we see everything through perspective of God. That person, that person, that person. And your situation. Otherwise, We're no different than the world. So, friends, let's become disciples and make a disciple because Christ has changed the life of the world. Amen.